They keep asking who I am, I just tell them I'm a Christian Occupation, a description, I just tell them I'm a Christian Nationality, ethnicity, I tell them I'm a Christian Keep the hyphens in division, I just tell them I'm a Christian Welcome to the Savage Truth Podcast I'm Pastor Roy Dockery, and um, we have a, a few episodes and, uh, and comments here, and, and I may even post this video. I am recording it um, as, a, as a video blog utilizing my, my smart mic plus, but um, the, the one thing that, that, I, you know, that, I, that I said in, in one of the last episodes was that I want to take an opportunity to help people get to understand who I am. And I think one of the ways that um, that we start to understand um, more about each other is when we understand someone's why, um, as far as why we do things that we do. Um, and so I just wanted I wanted to share that. So the the, the what I kind of want to start off I like to I like to build things, and it's just the way that I, I think, and I kind of in my own searching and evaluation of of my story and um, and kind of where I've come to at this point. Um, when I when I look at my when I look at my why around music and and writing and everything else, I try to find um, kind of the the root of what brought me to the place I was now, especially when it comes to the things that I do publicly and and professionally. So, the first question that I'm going to address or to answer for everyone is to answer the question why I do poetry. So, for anyone that that doesn't know, um, and anyone if you um, if you read the Savage Truth devotional. Um, when you look at my lyrics, my lyrics are normally structured in a rather, rather poetic fashion. Um, I love doing spoken word to contemporary worship music, um, and I've done that on a number of occasions. And I and I actually write poetry quite often that I that I do not publish. But the root of why I write poetry, which is is kind of was my initial creative expression of emotion, was that you know I grew up in um, you know I, I I can call it um, a single parent household, even though my mom's been married. Um, twice since she divorced my father when I was younger, but growing up, I um I was extremely quiet. Um, I didn't really talk much um to adults. I didn't really talk much in um in social situations. Um, for the most part, unless you were like my brother and his friends and people that I kind of chose to to roll with on different occasions. Like most people thought I was I was extremely quiet um and introverted. And I actually still do have introverted tendencies. I enjoy spending time alone reading and not talking to people. Um, so, but from that came um, like this suppression of my emotions, of the things that I was feeling. So when I was younger, I was, um, you know, I, I had, uh, I suffered from having severe juvenile asthma. I had several like nearly fatal asthma attacks where I'd stop breathing for six to eight minutes at a time. So I would have these periods of time where I felt extremely just like weak and feeble. And, you know, like when you, anyone who's ever had an asthma attack, like the recovery, like your chest just feels weighted for weeks. Um, I just remember spending like days in, um, in the ICU of hospitals and then recovering and missing like a week from school or six or seven or eight days from school um, being sick. But in that weakness, in that, that quietness, in that, that brokenness and that vulnerability, um, it just, I kind of just, just, kind of recessed into my own feelings. I didn't really tell anybody how I feel. Um, and at the same time, you know, we were we were moving from house to house. We were going from from place to place. Um, and like we were constantly being uprooted and moving to different states and to different neighborhoods. And and like our circumstances were all changing. So I just became very angry internally. I was just 
Um, I was just mad about not being able to control my circumstances. I was mad about not being able to do something as simple as breathing, right? I was short. I was, um, you know, I was, I was like just of a small stature. Um, I wasn't overly athletic, you know, and, you know, even though it was easy for me to do school, I didn't really push or strive to achieve um, from an academic perspective. So I just, you know, I just seemed to be like mediocre by all standards. And even in the things I enjoyed doing, like playing basketball and singing, um, those things were normally pulled and taken from me, like, because I couldn't breathe, right? So you can't have a voice and you can't run up and down a court um, when you're when you're terrified of dying and um, and your chest constricting and it pulling all the air from your lungs. So at some point, and I can't even remember where, I can't remember at what time, but I started taking the thoughts that were in my mind. I started to take the stuff that was that was kind of in my in my spirit, whether it was emotions, whether it was some you know a girl that I liked that was cute, whether it was anger or pain or frustration. And I started writing poetry and I probably was, I don't know, I probably was like nine or 10 years old um, and just started finding different opportunities to, to find creative ways to express myself. I started drawing and, you know, winning art competitions. And, and so art kind of became an escape, right? It became a way um, that I could draw some of the things that I could see and, you know, figures that I admired like Thurgood Marshall. And I used to draw some of my favorite uh, cartoon characters from like Dragon Ball Z or, or people from Tekken. So, so art and like creating and drawing and writing became my form of expression. It became my, it became my voice. Um, but it was still my internal voice externalized on paper, but only for me to receive, (laughs) right? Only for me to review. I didn't share my poetry. I don't really think I wrote anything creative um, in school. I didn't enter poetry contests. I did enter drawing contests because those are evaluated kind of objectively. So that was me putting a skill out um, for public consumption and criticism, not my heart, not my opinion, not my emotions or my feelings. Um, I just held them in. And that was until I got to high school. Um, so I got to high school, my junior year of high school, my my mom got offered a, um, a job to transfer to Raleigh, North Carolina. We were living in uh, West Haven, Connecticut at the time. I was going to school with um, what one of my closest friends was finally in a position where I felt stable, right, was, you know, in honors programs. And and then we were, again, another situation out of my control, out of um, out of my comfort. And we were uprooted. And we moved to Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And then on September 22nd of 1998, I remember getting on a bus and um, and getting ready to ride to school in this, you know, southern town where everybody's looking at me and my brother like or looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm wearing Tim's and a leather jacket in September in North Carolina when it's not that cold. But this is my September gear. And you're not going to rob me of my northern uh, my northern decorum and style. So, you know, so just um, but and this, and this girl walked on the bus and she was quiet, kind of um, kind of squirrely and had, you know, and dressed a lot more mature and not mature, like grown. But, you know, people wearing like jeans and overalls and she wearing like dresses down to her knees and I mean you know and it's funny she just she she looked like a she looked like a church girl um she looked like like a good girl like good Christian girl so um I had a crush on her from the first time that I saw her and so you know over that year you know her and I and a couple of other girls became friends and so to myself I had been writing poetry like I wrote 
poems about the the um, the perfume that she wore. I wore um, poems about the way that she made me feel. I wore, you know, I, I mean, I wrote poems about the way she made me feel and um, just how I felt when I saw her. And it was and it was interesting because I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't really know how to talk to people, right? Like the only the only meaningful, in-depth, like emotional, self-reflecting conversations I ever had were on paper. Um, and I was having those conversations with myself. So that was the point in time where I said, look, like I, I really like her and I want her to, I want her to know how I feel, but the only way I know how to express it is through poetry. So I'm going to write her a poem. Um, so I did, I wrote her a poem and then I also um, got her her favorite candy. Cause you know, the way to a woman's heart is also through her stomach. If you know what her favorites are, but I wrote her a poem and got her candy. And it was funny because I think it completely changed her perspective of who I was as a person. Um, because she only knew like the external me, like she only knew the like what was projected, like, and I tried to project the hardness, I tried to project my northernness, you know, I would say 44, all super northeasterny. Um, and, you know, and I tried to carry like that, you know, I just tried to carry an air about myself where people didn't challenge me when people didn't mess with me. So I like, I literally walked around covered in this hard shell, but inside of me was like this articulate, emotional, um, kind of, you know, touchy feely kind of person and I think when she saw that, it completely changed the dynamic of how she saw me. Because before that, we were just friends. And then after that, you know what I'm saying? I was in there like swimwear and the words worked, right? Me explaining to her genuinely, right? It wasn't, you know, I wasn't a playboy. I wasn't playing. Like I genuinely documented how she made me feel and how I saw her. But the funny thing about me telling her what I saw in her, it actually changed what she saw in me. Right. And I, I think it, it gave her um, it gave her an opening or a window of her understanding something about the way that I was on the inside that made her say, like, OK, I think this is somebody that I can be with. And I mean, and I'll, I'll ask her or you can ask her. Uh, but I, I think that's where, you know, it probably opened the door like, OK, this is somebody that I could potentially love. And we're young. It's, it's young love. But I think that was the first time I used poetry or that was the first time I had used anything to actually let someone into who I was, um, to let somebody in to my who and my and my why. It's like, why are you my friend? Like, why do I enjoy spending time with you? Like, why do I like you? Um, and really putting my emotions and my thoughts out there in a manner where it was vulnerable, right? She could have rejected it. She could have laughed at it. She could have circulated around the school and been like, oh, Roy's soft. And then I would have had to like shoot somebody to prove that I was not um, or beat some people up or, you know, what I mean, just go on a rampage, start punching people on the face in the school. So I'm glad she didn't do that because I'd probably be in prison right now. But that was the that was the time at which I saw um, from a why perspective that regardless of what people see on the outside or what people perceive on the outside or or even sometimes what I have a tendency to project, whether it's intentional or unintentionally, I could get people to see who I truly were, who I truly was by using words. Um, I was, you know, I had a gift. I had the ability um, to be able to craft emotion and experience and perspective into words that made people see what I wanted them to feel. It made people feel 
what I wanted them to know. It let people know things about me that I wanted them to see. And I think that was the beauty of how like poetry kind of started to transform me. Um, it still didn't make me an extrovert. I still didn't I still didn't talk to an abundance of people. I still wasn't a social butterfly, but it did start allowing me to use that that skill of writing and the skill of poetry not to just express my emotions about how I felt about this girl in particular um, who went on to become my wife, you know, years and years later. And we've been married for 13 years now. Um, But not just that in particular, it also created an opportunity um, for me to share other feelings, right? You know, how I feel about violence, how I feel um, about different situations in the world, how I feel about my surroundings, how I feel about uh, my community, my family, myself, um, so it was, you know, so then the, the next kind of transition in, in poetry, uh, kind of started when, you know, I was in, I was in college and, you know, I met, um, who was still my best friend to this day. His name's Quentin Littlejohn. Y'all know him as Q Will, uh, the director, but, um, we met and we had started like a little quartet group and we were singing cause you know, girls like dudes that sung. And I was like, all right, so we getting attention singing and, um, and he could, and he could rap and he could produce and he could make beats. Um, so he had a, you know, he had a little setup in his room. Um, he had a real twister like style and I had got put on the twister by my cousins that, um, that used to come in, uh, come into and out of Chicago when I was younger. So I really kind of feel the style. I was a Tupac fan, AMA Tupac fan will always be a Tupac fan. Um, and so we're sitting there one day and he's like, you know, working on, working on some stuff, like kind of creating some music and making a beat. And, um, the song that he was doing was called Choose. And so he was he was making a song called Choose. And the song was really about like, um, you know, he had made a it was kind of a it was a it was a fictional story based on a true event um, because he had a friend of his that that had um, that had got shot. Um, but luckily that he did not die. But the the song was about um, was it's called Choose. And the whole concept of the song was, well, what if my friend did die right in? We have been out running the streets. We have been out doing all of this crazy stuff. And like, I never told him about Jesus. I never told him about faith. I never tried to um, get him closer to God. I just allowed him and we just participated in stuff that took us farther from the path that we would think we needed to be on and that we were supposed to be on. Um, so that song resonated me with a lot because, um, you know, with my mom's second husband living in Tennessee, you know, I had, um, you know, my, you know, our cousin Junebug. Um, had, had, you know, had died. My, you know, my cousin Nuki had died. My cousin Big Man had died. So it, you know, and this is all before I turned like 12. So with that, it really struck something in me. And so while he's sitting there making the beat, I start writing a poem um, based on the concept of the song. And I start writing, a, I start writing a poem and I'm, and I'm talking about like, you know, just the hope that um, you know, that like big man had an opera, you know, that he knew God, but it's still regretting the fact that he didn't get to grow up. And the same thing with my cousin, um, my cousin Nuki and Junebug. And it's just like kind of reflecting on their on their lives and the fact that, you know, even in some of the situations where when I was younger, I had been shot at for, for wearing the wrong color or somebody just doing a drive by and pulling out a sawed off shotgun and busting out the window um, at whoever, um, just because of the, the area we happen to be in. Right. When I think about all the times that I had asthma attacks and almost died. And, you know, and just all these opportunities in which God had saved me, but there are other people who I knew 
he hadn't saved. And this is probably within months of me giving my life to Christ and becoming a Christian, because when I went to college, I was agnostic or you could consider it atheist. I don't think I could consider myself atheist because I was angry at God. And if you're mad at God, you think he exists. Um, so I used to act like God didn't exist when I would challenge people. Um, and when I, when I would get on my Pauline, um, you know, attacks of Christians and Catholics and, and stuff like that. But at the, at the root of it, like I knew I was angry at God because of the things that I had seen in life because of, you know, evil people that I saw prevail and for, for, you know, so-called holy or righteous people that I saw suffer. Um, so like I went to college and kind of carried that that with me and then through experiences that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about at another point, like I, we move, I moved past that point, right. And, and moved into, you know, into, to God really speaking to my heart, um, and doing some miraculous things that revealed him to me personally. Um, and I had became a Christian. So like now with this new found faith and that, that new energy and that new passion, like now with poetry, I've taken my life experiences outside of relationships and having a crush on a girl. So I've got my life experiences here, right? I've got I've got pain and um and just the 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 way that I want to express it here. And then now I've got my faith that's kind of aligned it all together. So in this one song, it took all of these kind of factions and segments of myself and it blended them together. And so I got done and I wrote the poem and it was like really emotional and powerful for me. Um, just being able to have that cathartic experience of of vocalizing and articulating pain that I had felt that I had never dealt with. Right. Like, you know, growing up in the hood when people, you know, get shot, there's no grief counseling like you see today um, when schools get shot up. Right. It's not even taken in consideration. It's just it assumes it's a normal part of our life and our culture. But I had never processed it. Right. I had never really dealt with how did that make me feel like to to see, you know, teenagers in caskets. Um, and how, how did I process that? And obviously I didn't process it at all. Um, and I processed it poorly, um, from an emotional perspective. And that's what led me to have, you know, deal with depression and frustration and things as a kid. So having that opportunity and to express that, I just felt so good to get it off my chest and out of my body and out of my spirit and my heart and my mind. Um, I just felt like a weight was lifted off of me. And so, you know, I kind of handed him the paper. And again, I didn't, I mean, the only person before that, that I had ever shared poetry, my poetry or my writing with was the girl who I was trying to date. And I only shared like a couple poems with her. I didn't show her everything I had written. Um, but I shared it with him. And then he looked at me and he was like, he was like, yeah, you should, you should rap that. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I didn't write a rap. I wrote a poem. And he was like, well, no, you didn't. You wrote a rap because it goes with the beat. <laughs> and, you know, kind of in a way like that's what hip hop is. That's what rap is. It's poetry, it's just poetry over music. So throughout the next couple of days or whatever, we kind of worked through it. And, you know, and it kind of had like a Tupac-ish kind of style to it. But um, but it was like a you know, but it was like fast paced because he was rapping like Twister and he made the beat um, to the to the to the BPM of what he normally raps on. So it was very difficult for me to kind of get that cadence down. And, you know, and then the next thing I know, we're at a talent show performing it. And we're in, you know, or actually before we had the talent show performing it, we're in a recording studio, recording it and scraping up our money um, to go pay 75 bucks an hour to get this stuff recorded and then burned onto a and then burned onto a CD. So like at that time, that's when um, like poetry not only became a way that I could express internal feelings, but it was a way that, you know, outside of relationships. Now I found out that I could externally express 
pain that was inside of me and that other people could relate to it. Um, and so because as other people heard the song, like everybody who heard the song cried. It was hard for me to perform the song. And I don't think I don't, I don't think I ever performed the song without physically crying. Um, but to put that much emotion and passion and heart um, into something um, and to create something the way that we the way that we did that day um, just birthed and started a completely separate chapter um, that we'll get into soon. But that is my that is my why. That is why I do poetry. I, I started writing poetry because I didn't know how to express my emotions. And I thank God that at some point he gave me a skill to be able to write it down. And then I, I started to understand that I could help people understand me, that I could help people um, see me. Because a lot of times I felt invisible. Like I said, I was a short kid, small stature. I wasn't an athlete. You know, I could have been an outstanding student, but I didn't really try. Um, I was the second kid, you know, um, to a, you know, in a, in a mom who had got remarried and then had a step, um, you know, uh, I had a stepfather who had five other children. Um, and I, I didn't cause trouble. I didn't make noise. I, you know, like some kids don't get attention and they act out. I just never did that. I just allowed people to assume I was fine. And then I just recessed into my own feelings and, and, and created my own kind of internal emu world of brokenness. And, uh, poetry gave me an opportunity to express it. Poetry gave me a way to articulate it. Um, and then I found out that it also gave me a way to talk to the world in a way that I would have never felt comfortable doing before, right? And some people got it, some people didn't. Um, but it felt good for people to know me through my music. It felt good for people to know me through my poetry, because I finally felt like somebody could see at least a perspective or a small segment of who I was. So that's why I do poetry. Who is my neighbor? Those within a comfortable stroll or where my voice rolls to say, good morning. Anyone along that path that I trot, taking laps around my block for wellness or animal relief. For all my neighbors, only those who I'm comfortable to greet. They share a connection with my complexion so I don't fear rejection when I speak. My family raised me to love those who look like me, not intended to be a racial thing, but family often looks like me. So connection becomes based on similarities. We speak our opinions so carelessly, never caring to see who may be watching. Our flags, hats, shirts, cars, fences, windows, homes, and yards have become tiny kingdoms of sovereign opinion. But what should that look like from a Christian? God commands us to put others above self. We see love one another like a literal belt holding up the weight of the gospel. But we live in a world that's so hostile when we claim to love Christ. We show no love for our neighbors and nations divide over topics with no bearing on if Christ is alive. We cling to history, traditions, opinions, and factions, politics, religion, and trends that distract us. Phrases and ideologies veiled in metaphors of hate. How can I love my neighbor? without just being fake by understanding what's at stake is ignoring god's command does your opinion matter more than the words of the son of man can i look past our differences and choose to love one another or let preferences in this world stop me from loving my christian sisters and brothers so before the divide widens and ideals get entrenched. Remember who was crucified and died for our sins. There was only one battle that granted us freedom in him, no matter the opinion or political side. In the face of racism or economic divides, I will take a stand and choose to follow my God and show love to my neighbor because Christ 
is a lot. 